0: The Scuttlebutt is proud to welcome Millerstown Pickapart, a self service salvage yard where you can get parts you need for your car, truck, or van at very attractive prices because you do the work. Bring your own wrenches, hammers, screwdrivers, sockets, jacks, drills, or whatever you need, except for torches, to wrestle out the parts you need for the vehicles in the yard. Millerstown Pickapart was created 17 years ago to provide reasonably priced solutions for auto parts needs. Millerstown is the perfect fit for those seeking discount auto parts to repair their own vehicles. Millerstown has a huge inventory of cars, which they purchase from individuals, towing companies, and auctions, and from its sister auto salvage recycling operation. For hours, directions, inventory, parts availability, and pricing, you can go to pickapartyard.com. That's P-I-C-A-P-A-R-T. Y-A-R-D, pickapartyard.com or call 724-224-4777. That's pickapartyard.com or call 724-224-4777.
1: I was trying to translate to them in the checkpoint. um, But then like when I talked to them and I was like, uh, so what car do you drive? And, uh. I was expecting, like, telling me, like, if you live in America, you better be driving like a a 69, like Chevelle or something. And then this guy, oh, yeah, I have a Honda Civic. And I'm like, seriously?
0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. My name is Sean Hall. I'm the director of programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club, whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal and inspire if you've been watching the scuttlebutt for some time uh, or you're new to us we ask that you please uh, like share subscribe ring the bell on youtube uh, and give us a review uh, across any of the podcast platforms and also if you'd like to reach out to me with any questions or comments or suggestions about content uh, you can reach me at sean that's s-h-a-u-n at veterans breakfast club Dot org. Um, I'm excited for our guest today. Uh, we have been doing sort of an Afghan series, uh, talked with um, someone who uh, works with engineering and was evacuated from Afghanistan. We talked with Adam Zafuro, uh, a veteran of the Iraq and Afghan wars. Um, but today we're going to switch over our view and focus to Iraq. And our guest today is Ihab, who was an interpreter working with the United States over in Iraq. And we wanted to dive into a bit of the interpreter's Story. So we're going to start with a, uh, an Iraqi interpreter. And then next week, we're going to talk with an Afghan interpreter. Um, Ihab, I'm super excited to have you a part of the podcast today. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come in on and, and tell us your story. Um, if you'd like to introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background on, on you.
1: Hey, Sean, thanks for inviting me. My name is Ihab al-Akrawi. I'm an Iraqi citizen. I was an interpreter for the US Armed Forces in Iraq. And I, I gain access to become a citizen through special immigration status. So um i'm from right now live in pittsburgh pennsylvania mm-hmm. i've been there for about uh, since 2009 uh, i live in west mifflin by the kennywood park so many people in around the country knows the kennywood park mm-hmm. uh, i only been there although i live just cross street from it yeah. um so i'm from home office so if you hear my kids in the background please uh, forgive me for that i can't control them i have two toddlers and um uh, and they're not very quiet. So
0: <laughs> that's all right. I got a toddler upstairs too, who I'm sure people hear her like doom 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 do, do right back and forth. Uh, so I totally understand that. Um, yeah. Well, so you grew up uh, what part of Iraq did you grow up in?
1: So I was born in nineteen eighty six in Nazaria uh mm-hmm. nazaria is uh what's uh, it's a very old actually it's the oldest city in the middle east i would think uh-huh. uh it's it, it's the the sumerian uh it's it's nazaria was burned burn um built on the uh remains of or the city of or the capital of the sumerian civilization so it's very enriched in culture art uh, music um history history, um, a well-known city, uh, the people like Iraq, all the like uh, intellectual properties, uh, the thinkers, the philosophers, the, the singers, the, the historians, the uh, uh, the people who did the Iraq poetry, the, the almost many of the actually Iraq leaders, the prime ministers throughout the history of Iraq were from Nazaria, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a interesting. Uh, hmm. So yeah, I, I was born there. Although I'm not from Nazaria. my family roots. and so my mom, mom from Nazareth, Um My um, my family root is from Najaf, which is about uh, 100 miles south Baghdad. There's a shrine there, for uh, a religious holy shrine for Shia Muslim. Uh, the uh, the tomb and in, in the grave of uh, a mosque. They call him the Golden Mosque. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody in Maltekeh has a golden dome uh, of Ali bin Abi Talib. Um, so we, we we grew up that's my family from there but my father um I think late sixties nineteen sixty nine he moved to MACDED, um, because he joined the military in nineteen seventy uh, early nineteen seventy and at that um,
0: time were they was it uh you were capable of being enlisted but also
1: drafted was yes yes oh, okay. so if you if you don't want to join the military, if you're healthy capable, you have to do. Uh, in male you have to do three years if you have a um, if you don't have a a high school degree but if you have mm-hmm. a high school degree i think you do like i think two years and a half maybe two years i don't remember the numbers but i know if you have a college degree uh you can only you do it for a year and a half but then you're like officer mm-hmm. um but then like if you got a i think phd or something you only had to do it like six months or something. so yeah based on so if you don't go to school or um uh, you you don't do that, and you're healthy, you meet the standards you have to do three years of okay so I mean it have changed since Iraq was begun but every but the vast majority known during Bath party took over nineteen sixty eight of of a military cone uh, they made it into like three year uh service so but my father wasn't like drafted he was enlisted mm-hmm. when he went in he was only seventeen mm-hmm. Now, if you enlisted, you you go to school and you immediately become like a sergeant. So mm. uh, that's how my father and and my father had to go to Baghdad because he was in the military band. Uh, he wasn't like a infantry or anything. So he was a mus- musician. So and that's where the mm. military college of war over there in Baghdad, and that's what the band staged at. And so he had to go there and and join because he he liked music and all that stuff. Uh, there wasn't you know. There weren't a lot of opportunities in Iraq if you want to study music mm-hmm. uh, back in the 70s and, and beyond that. Uh, <clears throat> so I uh, thought like the you know military paid really well in Iraq. Iraq mm-hmm. has uh, treated their military really good uh, up until 1990. Uh, so they got paid well. They got new cars once in a while, I think every 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my father was like, Well, if I don't go to school, then I, I just, this is, might be a good future, you know, I have to build a career up. Right. So, he went and, and, and so we lived in Baghdad, married my mom 1983, I think, or 84. Uh, so, in, and I was born in, in, in 1986. I have one brother that, who's older than me. I have two other brothers younger than me and two sisters. They're all younger than me. So, mm-hmm. I'm second one in the chain.
0: So, uh, in your, in your early years, uh, you're growing up, uh, sort of late eighties, um, early nineties, um, you know, this is after the, at, after desert storm and desert shield, um, what was the sense of, of, was there a sense in, in your, in Nasseria about who America was and what we, you know, the relationship and, you know, sort of geopolitically, I guess it's a big question, but it's just like, you know, did you grow up learning about Uh, the world and America's place in it and Iraq's place in it and things like
1: that? Um, So I I can't speak about like the 80s, uh, like up until 1990. But in 1990, uh, when uh, Iraq took over Kuwait, I definitely remember that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I was only but but four or five. And but I remember, I have a sharp memory as a you know, I remember when I was toddler. Um, And so I remember there was a big um, propaganda machines through the news. So Iraq has only one channel,
2: mm-hmm.
1: one TV channel, and it's a state money like channel. Yeah. Uh, so suddenly, I remember uh, too much of, you know, America's enemy and wants to kill the children and all that good stuff. And and when I like a year later, like 1992, after Desert Storm, but then the Desert Storm, I remember, I completely remember that. I remember the airplanes, the bombs, the cruise missiles that we all saw that. Mm-hmm. um like it, it was so intense that you know you could just stay on, on the roof of your house like our, our roofs are flats and, and people can get up and mm-hmm. uh, and, and hang out and when, when you go that we used to go there because and, and you could you know if you wait for a while you, you're gonna see a Christmas or something mm-hmm. um so that's how intense it was back in 1991 yeah um, there was a lot of military trucks convoys going in out know, almost every male that I know in my family who had a just grown beer is in the military mm-hmm. and actually i thought the norm was like that i mean like when we were kids we thought like any country in the world is like that uh, we did not know a life outside this country as you know uh, I, I like as a kid but i don't think the young ones like the, the 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 adult young adult male or you know knew that because it seems like like right now if you ask me to go get drafted in the iraqi military or even u.s military mm-hmm. Unless there is like a absolute like a um, horrible fate that if we don't do it, then I'll, I'm just gonna say like seriously, I'm not gonna do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it seems like the people there are um, uh, in, in Iraq Iraqi military, they just they didn't care. It's just like a normal routine to them, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just like I even asked my uncle, I'm like, when you went to Kuwait, didn't you say like, hey? I'm going to die there. He's like, well, I kind of did, but I also said I could get executed for not going to the military. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, so, but that's like, like his, that was his option, join or. Oh well, yeah. If, if the country is in the war, like Saddam changed that. If the country is in the war, yeah, you could get executed. Um, wow. Um, you know, it, it's just, but even though like, like, people didn't say, like, hey, why? Sh- if I, you know, run out of the military, why should I be executed? I think that's a horrible idea. Nobody talked about that. Yeah. It's just like, wow, he just got captured. Yeah. I hope they're not going to When you hear your neighbor, he was not going to military and got captured. You know, it, it wasn't like, you know, that sucks, you know. Um, right. It, it, why he's going to have to get executed? You know, none of that stuff. Like, like it was guys like here he was just done... doing the wrong thing. That's mm-hmm. what it sounded like. It's it's really uh, what is it called the 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 sheep like herd mentality, whatever. I, I've heard mm-hmm. like a there's a, a example when a, a sheep jump off a ship off a cliff, all the other sheep will like follow him. It seems like when somebody just like hey, I'm just gonna join the military, uh, and if I don't, I get executed. Then everybody's just joined with him. But those mm-hmm. who don't, then they're like, yeah, sorry, man. You should have just came with us, you know, mm-hmm. instead of you know condemning the regime. But right. you know, I still think about that. But I think, um, think the 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 society was kind of brainwashed. It really was. That's what I think.
0: So there was, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the veterans, a part of EBC, um, they they have a lot of military background in their families. So in a sense, you had a, you also also had this military background in your family. Um, yeah. Did that lead to after the American invasion of Iraq? Did that lead to some level? Did you think about enlisting in the Iraqi army, or did, did that help your decision to try to work with the Americans?
1: Oh man, I always wanted to to join the Iraqi army. I think I I, mm-hmm. I should have just uh, at least uh, joined a little bit, mm-hmm. so just to kind of have be like proud of, you know, I've I've done something to my country, and whatnot. Um, especially when, when, when ISIS took over Mosul, um, there were... This was in uh, 2008, roughly? 14, 14. 14, 2014. Thank you. Um, so w- when ISIS took over Mosul, there was like like tens of thousands of volunteer militias mm-hmm. that who just basically people that just... The army fell, like miserably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, th- there were militias that actually just formed by guys and they just went and pushed ISIS out of Baghdad and secured Baghdad because ISIS was just sweeping. Like, yeah. you know. um, That's why we made the Americans really, form
0: the coalition after we had, yeah, we had exited and I, we I, came back.
1: Yeah, I wished I was able, if I was in Iraq, I would definitely join these militias mm-hmm. uh, just to fight. And those are volunteers. like, They don't join the military. They just fight for a while. And once the Iraq you know, military got a little bit strong, they just flew back home. My brother is one of them. Um, mm. I wish I was there um, I would have fought uh, especially I'm trained I, I know how you know I, I feel like I could have helped uh, but back in Iraq in 2003 I, I wanted to join but I thought there were um, first my family would have let me um, back in 2003 for example mm-hmm. I was way too young uh, to join the military 13 uh, but I was yeah, fifteen. 15 yeah, fifteen. Okay. Yeah, fifteen. So I was fifteen. If I would have joined the Iraqi military, I have to just like wait until like eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I, like, but then I end up going to be an interpreter because I made a fake ID. Um. Well, tell me a bit more Arabic. about
0: that story. Uh, you know, our, our listeners—you've told the story with BBC before. Um, but our our listeners on the podcast here might not know about how you got to become a an interpreter. It's a pretty funny story.
1: Yeah. So, um, back in 2003, I think May. 2003. Um, well, actually, before the war started, we left Baghdad. We went to a farm. We went back to Najaf. We have a Najaf is the, the is the place where the shrine is, mm-hmm. and it's about 100 miles south Baghdad. And it's there's a you know a shrine in there, and we also have in the suburb of the city we have a farm. Mm-hmm uh so we have a a land that found that we inherited from our grandpa And in 1991 we mm-hmm. went back to the farm and then had a house that like made out of like built out of clay like dirt clay yeah.
0: brick um and these are like pretty well-made houses, though. Like you know, we've seen the pictures of them sort of online, but like these, these aren't going to blow over. It's like the Babylonian
1: storm. style. It's like the yeah. seven thousand years ago way of building house. Right. It, it isn't like a red brick uh, uh, Italian work like here. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit different. It's made of like mud, mm-hmm. uh, like a you know dirt and all that stuff. But it 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 stands for good. I mean, people still build them up until today in the countryside. Yeah, uh, neither that, that that particular house probably been there for about a couple hundred years because my grandfather inherited it from whoever got that land from. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, so we went there. Uh, and, you know, the, nobody's lived in the house since 1991. Uh, 1991, we lived there. Uh, so we thought in 2003, it's going to be more intense. Uh, let's go back there. So my family and I went there. But then the the bombardments got so intense on Baghdad and other cities. And people, out of our relatives know the story that uh, in 1991, we went to the farm, we were fine. And we were planning, if something goes wrong, we'll go there again. So everybody feels like, oh, we have a relative, we have a farm, like, let's go to them. Mm -hmm. So no phones, uh, none of that stuff. So we have no coverage, none of that stuff. So just little, you know cars are like oh here's my uncle here's my aunt and her family and it's just like people started piloting and didn't know that Little you know we had at some point about 65 male and some wow. like dozens of like children and women about the maybe more than 60 or whatever But yeah. uh, the house was so small so we started building tents and you know making uh you know, caught palm tree leaves and all that stuff, like mm-hmm. very, because it was cold. Uh, so we have a, a stable for hot cows, but didn't have roof. Uh, we had to kind of come up, build uh improvised roof. I'll say like build out of, like made out of like a tree branches and things like that. Leaves
0: how and did, dirt. how did everyone get fed? Like it sounds very much, almost like a, like a refugee camp. Like everybody was just. And it was
1: like a refugee camp. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but so uh, rock was, uh, before the war gave uh, a dry food supply. Uh, mm-hmm. well, I call it dry, but what I mean by that, like rice, uh, beans, dry beans, things like that, mm-hmm. tomato paste and can, something that you can hold that and sugar, um, maybe like a cooking oil, vegetable oil, all that stuff. So you know, all I have to care about is the, the, the groceries, the, the, the vegetables, the fresh stuff, and maybe the meat which is fairly available, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the vegetables here, there it's absolutely, absolutely cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, you know, when you come here in America, people like buy watermelon for like 5.99. Mm-hmm. People just take one in some store, they take just one slice and take it and put it in a box. I Iraq, I park the car and just get five about this big each, like I can't even carry. Yeah. That's like for two days supply because we love watermelon there. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, and it's super cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyhow, so that was an issue. I mean, th- there was obviously not the typical meat that you eat every day. And uh, uh, it's not good, but it would be something like rice and beans and things like that, you know. Yeah there was like several types of means, anyhow so we'll stand there but then when the uh, bombardments got even more intense there were people escaping from Baghdad but they didn't know where to go
2: mm-hmm.
1: so whenever like like our lands is like off a highway and they saw the cars and tents and they were like oh it looks like uh, people settling here and nobody cares." so we like waking up in the morning with five, like five more cars with families, like they just in our land. Wow! <laughs> and people like little, you know, it was like hundreds. Uh, uh-huh. um, and
0: it's not like you can turn them away. It's, no, you it's, can't tell them, you know, Iraqis yeah.
1: are very generous. Uh, mm-hmm. So we just kept laughing and, um, you know, all that stuff, but anyhow. So, but then uh, we went to the, uh, back then, um, uh, when the Najaf was liberated before Baghdad, uh, so Baghdad was uh, I think uh, April 9th uh, when mm-hmm. Baghdad, you know, was declared Saddam no longer in power. April I think Najaf was April second when the Americans got there. Mm-hmm. So about a week, five days, week um, beforehand. And when that happened, there were scattered military. Iraqi military post in the desert. And and so we went down and got a tent. Uh, there's just like supply. There was everything there were like guns, cannons, tanks, anything you want. We wow. just went down and got some goodies. Uh, we actually found some food, flour, and things like that. And we just took it in it because it's in the desert.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so we took that. Uh, we took some kerosene tanks, jugs. Wow. Uh, we used that for cooking, but we also got uh, some like gasoline, uh, gas cans somewhere. We mm-hmm. found, uh, we took those as well. Um, just sort of scrounging, they, like finding
0: things to help support
1: the mass amount of people yeah, coming on Because on the if land, you don't, yeah. if you don't take it, it's obviously. I don't think it's a stealing. It's yeah, it's just gonna go bad. Right. They so just took it, and it wasn't just us. Everybody was doing the same thing. Totally. Uh, yeah. And, but we were like trying to get some military tents, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so we went and got military tents and everybody else got military tents so they literally disassembled all the military tents put them in our lands it looks like Mm. a resistance camp now, (laughs) Um, but anyhow, like two days later, uh, when Baghdad's still fighting. um, Mm -hmm. There were uh, helicopters landed in our camp. They assaulted our. They thought it was like some sort of resistance stayed in there. But the ones they found, because they saw military yeah. uh, a camp. Some people don't have a car or whatever. They just mm-hmm. brought a military truck. I was like, I could use this if I need it. So yeah. they just brought like a military truck and they didn't care. So, so that's how it was. And um, so they assaulted our camp. Uh, they didn't hurt anyone or anything. But mm-hmm. the helicopters made the, blow the tents off. It was hilarious. Um, but then like the Americans talked to us and, and I I spoke to them and I thought they were at this point. Did you know English? A little bit, very little. Mm-hmm. But I was very intrigued by uh, you know, like the Iraqi soldier, it's just like a soldier on a skeleton. He's like so skinny. It's like almost like the Korean soldier. Like I think like because in the nineties the 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 nutritions for the army was like horrible yeah uh so they're like but then like when i saw the americans they they looked like too big looks giant and i didn't realize they have the kevlar the, vests and the vest and i just thought they were just muscular like that i just thought well, what is these creatures damn <laughs> look at those guys you know what i mean like, yeah yeah and the guy just walked like this and mm-hmm. and they have goggles and looked like a alien you know what i mean so yeah
0: Oh, I can imagine you're thir- you have 13 <clears throat> and these guys land and you're just like you've never seen anything like it, like body yeah, armor never. and all this stuff. I, yeah, i have mean, never yeah. seen
1: like that. And and even someone had a camel back, like it's like a hose and was like drinking out of it and spinning. And and I thought that was that's some like high tech tank. And I, I couldn't figure out what is it, like because it was so like built into his gear. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't figure it out like how, what is he drinking? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Probably a ribbon. Uh, I don't know. Most <laughs> likely water, I would say. Yeah, probably uh, water. I just a,
0: a rip it might be
1: <laughs> But then someone spit like they chew and, and yeah. kept looking at the dark stuff that came out of his mouth. Like, what is these people? Like, mm-hmm. what is this in his mouth, you know? Um, so anyhow, so I got intrigued. And, and, and back, like, and fast forward two months later, we couldn't go back to Baghdad there because there's no bridge. W- what on the other side? He had to crush the afraid to get to Baghdad somehow. The bridge is all knocked down. Uh, So then until they fixed the bridge, it took about until May. uh, We went back to Baghdad. um, Have a friend who's named Omar. Um, Him and I were kind of, you know, friends. And we started hanging up in the neighborhoods of Baghdad. There was like no police, none of that stuff. It was like a freedom for the first time. Like you Mm. could do anything. Was it dangerous uh, as well? (laughs) It wasn't really Mm because the people think like, I mean, there was obviously looting when we got there. Yeah, but it wasn't like criminal, like it wasn't like people killing each other. Right. You know, Yeah, so, um, but there was definitely looting. And, And as a young teenagers, we just wanted to go to see the places that we've never been able to see. Yeah. Saddam Palace and things like that. And when you just go there, you find nothing. It's all been looted yeah um so but anyhow so we went there in the neighborhoods of Baghdad um we saw Americans all over places in like small camps and all that stuff not until in the center of Baghdad we found a checkpoint military checkpoint and we're like hey let's go talk to these guys now I uh I am very fascinated with uh cars mm-hmm. uh American cars uh, we 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 built cars at home Uh, my family have like my uncle had a garage the family had a garage and they were only fixing american cars Mm -hmm. Uh, so i'm fascinated with the cars also the marlboro man was cool i have his posters um uh, i have the cut off of the magazine of the cars Uh, you you're Mm -hmm. not allowed to hold this magazine but i used to get them black market and not keep the whole magazine just the picture of the car yeah yeah Uh, so i have a stickers in my bedroom uh, I know like this is Chevelle this is uh, you know 68 Shelby whatever that hmm. stuff yeah um, so I was you know very odd not a lot of kids have into that and I think that um, I don't know that's probably stereotype behavior so I might be had some sort of spectrum spectrum of autism I guess <laughs> that I'm just intrigued to things that I normally other kids won't do that so and I was obsessed with before that I was obsessed with sort of like in the language so because I mm. kept watching the movies as well yeah uh, I got this in you know black market and, but I was obsessed with I wasn't good at English but I was obsessed not with the language itself but the more like the the tone the mm. the slang the yeah the way to talk so I, was there a like particular I, movie that you watched like religiously i'm gonna
0: watch that all the time uh,
1: titanic uh you know oh. Braveheart, and you know all this that uh you know that a little list of movies you know, some like nicholas cage movies uh jack nicholson and mm-hmm. all that stuff and, and, and the old ones like bruce lee and all that stuff
2: yeah yeah
1: uh, we used to go get them in cinemas some a lot of them i you know forgot uh their name and like arnold Schwarzenegger uh you know all this like 80s and 70s like There's terminator and, and yeah, 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 Call yeah and all that yeah, yeah. all that stuff so uh, actually i i watched the uh show what is it called uh cosby show exactly okay. yeah i loved the show i thought it was very cool i loved it baby i loved uh, uh i loved uh, what's his name cockroach his friend mm. and all that stuff yeah uh, so i loved it i really did but I was obsessed with, like, trying to speak the language. But then, like, I wanted to speak exactly, like, how they pronounce it. So yeah. uh, in Iraqi would, like, learn, like, English, English. And, you know, and, but, like, and when I hear the English, American English, I try to say not car, but say car, for example. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. And, and I realized that was the, even car is not really common in America, only in New York and in the movies yeah. <laughs> when I came here. They still say car but not like, ah, oh, you know what I mean? But yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's so interesting,
0: like, like, like linguistically, like, because you know, how, you know, how we talk or how I learned English, you know, growing up, like we, the accents like are very interesting to us. Like if I think of a Southern accent or a Boston or New York or, you know, sort of mountain accents, you know, they sound interesting to me, but, you know, they never really pick. I, I can imagine that, someone who's never heard English before, he picks up on all these different dialects and all the ways that we speak English. And it's like very intriguing that, you know, all these different regions, I would imagine that Iraq's the same way, like the different regionalisms of like how it does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I've, I've always tried to practice to see phrases, say phrases from the movie, even though I didn't know what they meant, but I try to say exactly like how they said it. Uh Maybe look at myself in the mirror. Like Uh, I'll be back. Like that sort of. Yeah. Something like that. Or like, you know, um, like, I try to, like, talk, like, um, the Cosby and, you know, all that stuff. Um, I thought that's and, and I've always imagined myself that I have, uh, I'm, 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 I'm at 45 years old, and I'm a successful businessman in America. Mm. And it's like, when I go to the bathroom and we have a mirror, I just, our bathroom look horrible, because it's the bathroom in Iraq. Yeah but I imagined those that I would see in the movies. Yeah. When like two, you know, uh, gangs member going in the bathroom and knock on someone in the bathroom, like the mirrors and the lights and, and all that stuff. Like I imagined right. that. And just like, imagine going like this, fixing my collar and all that. stuff. <laughs> exactly. Like that. that's so like, and try to say it exactly what they say in the movie. But anyhow, so when I saw the, the, the checkpoint, I was mm-hmm. like, wow. Uh, uh it's like, uh, have you heard someone very obsessed with aliens, but like finally meets an alien? That's yeah. how the feeling was like, whoa, let's go talk to these guys. Uh, not so afraid
0: I, of them. You weren't afraid. You were just like, they're not threatening. They're just standing. I was afraid. Point. I mean, I oh, could get okay. shot
1: anytime. That's what I thought. At least uh, mm-hmm. you still kind of brainwashed that Americans are bad and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was uh, trying to get close. But then I, I talked to him though, like, oh, this guy speak English. Uh, I said little, you know, and I try to help them. Uh, I was trying to translate to them in the checkpoint and they really liked that idea. Um, but then like when I talked to them and I was like, uh, so what car do you drive? And, uh, I was expecting, like, telling me, like, if you live in America, you better be driving like a, a, a 69, like Chevelle or something. Yeah. And then this guy, oh, yeah, I have a Honda Civic. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> 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 like, then he shows me, I swear to God, he opened his wallet and showed it to me. Like, there was no, like, uh, smartphones back then. You yeah. yeah, like like, <laughs> picture of his wife, his son in his car. That's hard. <laughs> Typical American. <laughs> you won't see that in any other culture. Like, nobody no. cares about that. The car right but then if it was like chevelle or something like that i would have definitely said yeah you know it's i had
0: it. a honda civic and i never carried a picture of it in my wallet but i guess well, like- no
1: i guess like maybe because like, you grew up with the smartphone how old mm-hmm. are you uh 40 yeah well you're older than me but uh I, I guess i i don't know so uh but uh maybe you are but uh but I thought it was odd, but I, I know how like Americans with cars. They like cars and all that
0: stuff. I love cars. If I, I guess if I had but, like a, a Corvette, I would probably carry a picture of it like on my phone or something. It'd be like, yeah, this is Yeah, bad. yeah. But even now, I'm like, I don't know. personally, my dad who does like, you know, sports cars, like I'm sure he has like pictures in his phone of like, this is my sports car, you know. But again, um, if you're also a, a deployed soldier and, you know, you're, you're just you know pining for home in some way you got a picture of your kid your wife and potentially something you really love and it's like man i love my honda that thing's just like a tank it runs like a tank i love it i'm just gonna have a picture of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway so, you're, you're thinking everybody's driving around in these like beautiful old classic cars and he's like yeah here's my that's honda. what i
1: thought man yeah <laughs> i thought america is all about like all that stuff all you he hear in, in the uh you know but then anyhow but it gets better when i worked with the marines they were like uh when I became I was like years later I worked with Marines and they were like you used to work for the army I can't believe that these guys are so soft and all that stuff I'm like oh really he's like yeah I was like so uh what car do you drive and he goes um a Toyota Prius he's <laughs> like yeah that's that's that shows me how tough you are <laughs> <laughs> so I was like what the hell is wrong with these people man like yeah. what are the car what are the cool cars what are the like electric guitars and all that stuff where's the like rock? you know stuff we can probably do a
0: whole podcast of you going to like just auto shows and just like checking out you know old classic cars i'm sure that that's probably if it's something you enjoy doing just going and checking out. yeah we probably can yeah yeah
1: (laughs) but anyhow so (laughs) i talked to them and they're like hey could you help us and you know we started helping them in in the checkpoint Mm -hmm. uh there was this guy they were like well they became our friends and we hanged out for about like three hours got dark a little bit they said you want to come with us I was like, sure. So we hopped on the Humvee. Uh, It had no door back then. And it felt so great. I'm in this like awesome vehicle that I've never seen. And like, I felt like I was a celebrity. We went to the market and we're like in the back of the Humvee, just laying on their luggage (laughs) and all that stuff. And people just looked at us, like, these Americans, who are these Iraqis? It's just hanging out with them. Like, these Mm -hmm. guys are so cool. Like, you know what I mean? Everybody's looking at us. I felt like, I was celebrity and you know that, how that, and if you're a teenager, you just crave for attention. Oh, totally. Um, so it felt great. I just didn't want to tell them like, Hey, it's dark. It's late. I want to go home. I just went, I didn't care. I was scared. I don't know what they, you know, was going to happen. But then when we went to one of Saddam palaces and um, they told us, Hey, um, thank you for helping us uh, take whatever you want. Uh, I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. So went so went to the uh, toilet and we found a golden stall, uh, Mm -hmm. toilet stall. We didn't take that. (laughs) Instead, I grabbed a military net uh, because we're off, of course, teenager. And we saw there was like a, a artificial, like pond, fishing pond, fish pond.
2: Yeah,
1: man, there were like there was fish in it, like size of my leg, Uh and they were like so obvious because you know nobody cared about him and it's so dry and i rock. the pond start drying and nobody cared nobody so, so they were like swimming in the shallow water oh and and i was like damn and i was like then i went in there i checked them and they were like edible fish like they weren't like a, a goldfish or something yeah, they yeah. Were, i guess Saddam was used to eat them i don't i would think i don't know mm-hmm. so i was like i'm oh, all we need to get some of these fish man um it's like Oh, yeah, man. So, you know, so we we, we brought a, a military net and we threw it and grabbed like four. Yeah. They were so big. They dragged us to the gate. But before we'd gone, uh, this was sergeant says, hey, thanks for helping us. Um, uh, can you uh, work for us? I, I want to offer you a job. And I was like, hmm, I'm not really sure. But then Omar goes like in Arabic. He's like, no, 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 no. We're going to work for them. And I was like, whoa. Well, I don't know what my parents were going to say about this. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, there's no school. I mean, you have to tell them. And he says, these Americans have a lot of money. and We're going to milk the hell out of them. I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, let me just, I'm going to negotiate with them. And I'm going to get us a lot of money. And uh, I was like, oh, sure. Oh, but I trusted him because I thought he was always the bright in mind and very smart. And I was like, yeah, go ahead, man. And he goes. All right, so he asked the sergeant, he goes, Well, we, yeah, we can work for you, but uh, we don't want hourly. We want like a flat rate daily. And I was like, Oh, what is that? And he goes, And he's like, The sergeant was like, Yeah, how much do you want? And he was like, uh, Flat rate, five, 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 five dollars a day, five bucks a day. And the sergeant was like, That's it. And he's like, <laughs> Yeah, that's it. He was, and he was like i think you got a job (laughs) he laughed so hard uh the sergeant and he goes like he calls people and he says these people wants to negotiate and says five bucks a day." of course we did not know how we thought five bucks a lot of money because it's certainly a lot in iraq yeah uh, when you exchange it with uh, you can buy a lot of goods with it so we thought it was good thought five bucks was good but i you know for a second i thought like dude you could have done better and said maybe seven he seems like except the five dollars right away (laughs) you know Uh, but anyhow so yeah we got paid five bucks a day Mm -hmm. we used to go there but for days um, he came back to us and he goes you know i have good news and bad news and we're like what he goes "Uh, well the good news is uh He said, which one do you want to hear? And I said, well, she showed me the good news. I need that person. He says, well, the good news, I'm going to hire you as official employee to work for the Department of Defense as contract. Bad news, you're only like 15. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And he goes, like, well, you have to be 18 to be able to do that, to sign any contract with the U.S. government. And I was like, I am 18. (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, didn't you say you are 15? I was like, I pulled my, like, uh, Iraqi ID. And I said, can you read this? And he goes, no. And I was like, well, it says 18. And he looked at it, and he just, he knew it was live. Oh, lie. Yeah. He just looked at it, and he says, eh, I think it is, yeah. I think it says 18 here. But anyhow, um, yeah. here wrote down as 18. But then after work, we went, uh, Omar and I went to Don Market in Baghdad, and we made fake IDs. <laughs> we changed our age for 18 that's what you uh, do just, you go to a market and fake id It's easy. oh man it's, yeah there was like market and bank where what you can fake american passport if you want wow. it really is you mm-hmm. can you can do it <laughs> like i often i made one time i it was easier for me to apply uh, for like get a fake one at some point than trying to apply for a lost one like a oh. lost or selling card so i just went not get yeah. one from the market and the guy who makes it, he says, I make it more official than the government one. And <laughs> that's how he says. But anyhow, um, so we, we went and made fake IDs. Uh, it says 18, just in case they, they you know, behind us. Yeah. And after that, you know, we went, we were signed to another unit, um, worked at the Baghdad Camp Victory Military Airport. But what
0: did your family think?
1: My family have not known about this until 2006. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I used to go back and forth daily. Uh, I mean, at the beginning it was like, I was hanging out with my friends, but when it became more obvious, we were like, Hey, I work at, with the oil company, the national yeah. oil company and pays me well and all that stuff. But in 2006, they realized that uh, I wasn't working in oil because mm-hmm. my hands wasn't greasy or anything. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, they were scared uh, they mm-hmm. were worried that I'm going to get hurt. But you know I kind of lied to them, uh, which I regret. Uh, uh, I told them.
0: You had to, I mean, in a way, you had to do what you had to do. But I, I think the yeah. thing that I've, a, I've read a, a lot about. Light. Yeah. And the thing I read a lot about is like reprisal killings, like, uh, you know, people that were mad that they're uh, um, that people were working with the Americans. And was there ever a concern with you about, about that? Like people coming against you because you're working with the Americans?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was very careful. Uh, most people get killed is uh, when uh, they leave the military base, it would be mm-hmm. some like will spot them and some other car will chase them and kill them. Um, I have cut down that. That's when my family realized that I actually don't work for the company, but I, because by 2006, the, the violence was so intense that it, it, I was going home once every three months. That's just crazy. Mm. My house is not too bad. And the problem is I couldn't quit. Because if I quit, you're already made the sin. They're still going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I, I can't, like, there, by that time, there's nobody physically threatened me. But I wasn't sure if they know me or not. Because they could know me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, the safest place to me is to stay where I'm at that's what it is <clears throat> and and i was i would rather die in id or get shot as opposed to get kidnapped and i mean they were doing horrible to the interpreters like it isn't cutting their heads off it isn't like no no they went to the next level which basically drilling holes in their knees while they're alive oh wow like just horrible yeah and like mm-hmm. and they're like you know, thighs or you know, like the the hard bones in your, your body. They drill like they found holes and drills in their knees and their elbows, and they and the doctors determined on many, many, many medical reports that these were done when these guys were like alive. I mean, yes. that's that type of like you know. Um, so just, that was very scary. Yeah. Yeah, just torture. Yeah, it's it's a very scary torture. Um, so you know that was so. Uh, like i said i much rather die in a fight than die like yeah. that you know yeah. what i mean totally. so for me to stay yeah maybe i was in the risk of uh, dying in an id or a sniper you know shot or whatever or firefight but i thought that was better for me mm-hmm. because at least they can my family will have my body my remains right uh you know and all that stuff so
0: so we'll flash forward a bit, you know, you worked with the Americans, but did this level of violence and the level of threat, uh, is that what kind of led you to be like, I need to get myself and my family out of the country and get to America and, and enlist for, or not enlist, but uh, sign up for the SIV?
1: Well, I could have gone with the SIV long time ago. I could have done it since 2006, but at the beginning I was really uh, have a, a good hope for the Iraq future. Saddam was gone. Iraq is very rich country. Uh, it's better than the Gulf countries in many ways. Mm-hmm. It has more oil. It has two rivers. It had. It has religious and um, old civilizations like the Sumerians. It has anything, you know, It have farmlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the Gulf countries don't have. And look at the the, the, the like the UAE, the Dubai, and Kuwait. These countries are really nice, but we were much, we have much, much, much more potential. They do. Oh, they have only the oil, yeah. um, you know? But anyhow, um, so I thought like, why would I go to America? You know, my country is probably gonna be better than America, mm-hmm. um, but oh, in 2007, I started having doubts.
0: Uh, this was as as ISIS was kicking up around that time.
1: Well, it was it wasn't ISIS. It was mm-hmm. uh, you know part of Al Qaeda, which is uh, okay. you know Zarqawi's uh, you know folks. Yeah, which which it's a branch of Al Qaeda. It's basically Al Qaeda. It's Al Qaeda, and it wasn't that. I I, I think we could have when I was fighting with the Americans and part of it is training the Iraqi army. My units was doing that, and I was involved in that. I knew that's uh, you know the the terrorism in Iraq it isn't deeply rooted in the community. It's mm-hmm. it's not like Kandahar. It's not like uh, Mazar Sharif or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not like both it's not of those happening. being
0: Afghan Afghanistan. It's, yeah, it, like, yeah.
1: It's, it, like let's go get another um, a, a similar city. Maybe Afghanistan is too bad, too far. Maybe say. Place in Saudi Arabia, in the mm-hmm. Hejaz Valley. and the Hejaz Valley, yeah, the, the security is good, but the potential for terrorism is definitely there because there's a lot of the takfiri, the Salafi, Wahhabi. It's rooted in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Iraq, yeah, it has a terrorist that time groups, but I know they're not going to last forever. We eventually either going to kill them all or whatever. Something will happen because it's not like The, the terrorism idea of terrorism. is not deeply rooted in the Iraqi community. Mm-hmm. It would be something, a temporary yes, but once people learn how to become and overcome it, uh, because Iraqis are not fanatics in religion. and They're not. Uh, Iraq had uh, the first country in the Middle East to get into an driver license to women example women mm-hmm. drives and they we have women in politics as well mm-hmm. uh, even in saddam time um was very sectarian and then you know all that stuff so it isn't like saudi arabia or anything like that you know saudi arabia if it has terrorists in it it would be much difficult to clean up mm-hmm. because there are already fanatics in madrasa that teaches these you know Intolerance and fanatic uh, ideas. Yeah, but I was concerned about the corruption in the government, and seems like it was getting worse. And once you have corruption, you know what you're doing. You're becoming like more like Mexico or Colombia. Right. You have or Venezuela. Mm -hmm. You have everything you need. You have people, farmlands, natural resources, but If you have corruptions, you're just going worse and worse by time goes. That's what I thought. I said there's no, and it doesn't seem to be uh, either potential or or of a trying for the government or politician to stop this corruption. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's different between somebody, like I give you an example. Like I was okay. Like I thought like Al-Qaeda would go away from Iraq eventually. Although Mm -hmm. there were Al-Qaeda in Iraq, but the government is trying. The people are trying to get rid of al-qaeda but Mm -hmm. in terms of correct nobody's trying not not the government not not the people yet people do complain about it but they're not doing anything about it they don't have that culture level free speech yet right so i don't know so i thought you know what this might be not a good place for me i need to go and i have the option to go to the united states so i you know start up my paperwork you know
0: and kind of talk a people. bit about that 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 process. Um, it seems very confusing from everything that you know <clears like throat> I hear and read. It seems like the SIV program is just like backwards so it, and old. You
1: know, it got easier over the years, uh, and the that's that's batch, a key
0: that's a key word there. Years it took years to get this process
1: going. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it got much easier. I think the last easy step just get on the plane, uh, like <laughs> happened in Afghanistan. Uh, we even check you if you actually want for us or not when we mm-hmm. get to America. Uh, so that's how easy it got. Um, but at my time, you you have to uh, what is it? You have to do background clearance check. Mm-hmm. So that's a lengthy process. I under- That's the thing that I
0: think I have the most confusion on when I read anything about this is the the background checks, and uh, I don't know if Iraq or Afghanistan carries the same level of uh, history for each individual person. Like I had a social security number when I was born, they know every place that I've lived. They know every place that I've worked, based on yep. my social security number and the family that
1: I was Yeah, with. They don't have that structure there. Yeah. So,
0: so how do they do a background check on someone who doesn't have that, that code or that level? They'll of,
1: ask you questions. They'll okay. ask you questions. You obviously have background of checks about you being an interpreter and maybe they contact the people that you worked with do you trust this guy for example Mm -hmm. um do you think he should be become american i mean there's a lot of con i mean i don't know but i know they'll ask about you
0: it's like all word of mouth
1: Um, a lot of it yeah but they already have your fingerprints and all that stuff your Mm -hmm. eye you know print i guess yeah Uh, and all that's information but then they ask you questions and it seems to ask you the same question, but in different forms, trying mm-hmm. to get answers from you, uh, which I'm an individualist. So I really write like, know, recognize those. And not like I cheated or anything, but I felt that mm-hmm. was hilarious. Yeah. Like I realized what's going on, you know, Right. maybe not an any person didn't, but I thought I realized what's going on. But anyhow, mm-hmm. so they do this background check, which fine, but the, here's what the step is, gets. Impossible. You need to get a, a recommendation from a general. Mm. And here's the thing. If you're an Iraqi interpreter, you're not allowed to work for general. So a general gets promoted by the Congress. Mm-hmm. And a general, if, say, he wrote a paperwork for me and I end up drunk driving, I can't work, and maybe I don't know, kill people. Mm-hmm. And it's going to go all the news. Uh, Ehab was a junkie driving. his interpreter. Oh, he was recommended by General so-and-so. So he's completely, his career will be ruined if I do anything wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, I, that's how I think why they weren't given anything. I would mm-hmm. think, like, I, if I take his steps, that's how what I would think. Yeah. I don't know this guy. He doesn't work for me. I just saw him now. I'm, like, I, there's a lot of words of mouth but I'm not going to write a recommendation because I can go public if something goes wrong, if those people are wrong or any, if he did something not maybe intentionally, you know? Uh, So they were very scared and what they do, they don't deny your request. There's no, like the policy doesn't say deny it says if they have good background check, you should write them recommendation. It doesn't say you should, it says you get there, then you get the recommendation. Uh, but doesn't say the options that, you know, that's kind of like it was sloppy written the way it is. That's how I think. Mm-hmm. So what the generals do, they get your paperwork like this, and they're like, oh, this is good. Great. I know what to do about this. Put it on the shelf. Why? Because they can't refuse it. They're not going to give it to you, they just leave it to the next general. Which, uh, you know, they rotate every maybe year, year and a half, six, seven months. They say, you know, right. the, the next guy who will kind of deal with it. And then next thing you know, your, you and other folks, your, your files are piling up and nobody cares. Yeah. Up until 2008, mid-2008, there was a guy named Colonel Michael Silverman. Um, he was a 369 Armored Battalion. And they were two days before leaving America. They did 18 months. I worked for this battalion. Uh, I did wonderful work with him and for him. And he really liked me. And um, one day he says, Two days you're leaving, sitting at the Chaho. And I walked, he's a colonel. Nobody, you know, he just told me to come sit here. And I just sat. And I was like, Hey, what's going on, colonel? He's like, Yeah, man. You know, thought we're having dinner. and Probably I'm not going to see you tomorrow because we're preparing. Thought maybe we can have last dinner here. You could get to see each other. I'm like, oh, good. When we talked out and he was like, why don't you come to America? There's this SI. I was like, well, oh, I can't do that. And he goes, what is this IV program thing? I know, yeah, do you see a lot about it? News? There's, there's nobody actually made it there. <laughs> and he was like, why? And I was like, he's actually a lawyer, by the way. <laughs> and um, so he goes, why? And I said, well, here's the deal. And I explained to him. And I said, unless you know the general personally, they will sponsor you. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he goes, yeah, I can get you that sponsorship. And I was like, you're leaving like after tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah, but I can do that. And I actually really trust this guy. I think he's confident. He's a man of his word. Mm -hmm. Super smart. Um, And but at that time I did not believe him. I, I thought he maybe like, he's not like his tensions are right, but he just does not understand that he can't do it. Yeah. I thought he was just giving me a promise and being naive, to be honest. And I was like, I said, Mike, Colonel, you can't do it. The mm-hmm. general does not know me. He's not, you're leaving in two days. Maybe if you try take a month to get to the general, and he's a he goes Do you know my new XO? Is is the command assistant, the executive officer. And I was like, "No." He's like, "Have you met him?" And I was like, "No." And he goes like All right. Well, his XO was sitting and he just called him and the XO came in. He was a major. He's like, "Have a seat." And he's like, ah, hey, he's, you know, Boxer. My my interpreter name is Boxer." He's like his Boxer interpreter. Da, da. Then Michael Silverman said, the colonel says, I forgot his name. His name is one of those that you can't memorize. Uh, very un, like, unique name, different mm-hmm. name. Anyhow, but he said, Major so-and-so. I didn't tell you what major. He's like, was very exciting. He's like, I didn't tell you what major so-and-so. He was actually this administrative secretary of General John Abu Zid. John wow. Abu Zaid was... Um, like, the guy who's in charge about the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, he's, like, in Qatar.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: he's the father. Like, he's the boss of all the generals, all of them around the Middle East. I think that he's a central commander or something like
2: that. Yeah, but anyhow,
1: yeah. so he goes, like, oh, so this guy, if you needed an appointment, like, the general, if they need an appointment with the general, they talk to this guy. And he says, he may be just a major, but believe me, the generals respect him and love him. And he knows all of them. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And the major was like, what's going on? He's like, well, yeah, we need to get him. He he was just that. He's like, yeah, can you get him tomorrow if you could go and get him a um, a recommendation for uh, SIV. There's a program, and we have to explain it to him. Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah, I can definitely do that. Then he just left, and he says, yeah, I'll talk to you later. And after dinner, I come visit you. I, I, I thought, like, it's still like i still can't comprehend this yeah, guy's gonna to to say really like me. at
0: this point were you like oh my god
1: this might happen the general is not here like if okay. you we take it's not in the main let's say camp if we take convoy we need about six hours to get there yeah uh so i was like all right i don't you know he's right he may be right but he needs a week to do that at least um so he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll talk to you after dinner. Where, where do you live? So I, I give him the, like, a, the, the, the tent number, and he came. But anyhow, he came to me, and he's like, hey, how's it going? And I was like, but before I met him, I was like, that's easy. He's like, yeah, that's it, man. He's going to help you. Tomorrow it will be fine. You get your staff. And I did not believe that. The guy seems to be the major, just says, I'm going to visit you after dinner. He wasn't really interested in, nor he seemed to be serious about what mm-hmm. he's talking about. Uh, so I was like, you know what, uh, you know, this, pro- he's not going to probably come and, and, and he's probably felt like the colonel will forget. He he wants to see his family after tomorrow. He's not going to ask him anything. So, but like after dinner, he came in he's like, Hey, how's it going? I was like, Hey, He's was like, yeah, you know, I looked into this and all that stuff. Yeah, we can fly tomorrow. Uh, we can go tomorrow to the general and it should take us. Uh, if we leave here at nine, we should be back at maybe two, 3 PM. And I was mm-hmm. like, how and he's like, well, I got an, a helicopter request for us. He's going to take us tomorrow. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I did go back, and he—he's what the major says. He's, you know what? I want to help others. Uh, if you know certain people that wants to go, and you really trust them, this is not for everybody, but yeah. people that you really know them, I bring them. I'll help them and get them. I'm just going to do it too. Wow. And. I went back to my friends. I said, "I am leaving tomorrow. If you want, come with me to get SIV recommendation letter." They did not believe me. Yeah, I kept swearing, swearing. They thought this was kind of a prank that yeah, I'm yeah. gonna take them because you had to go like in the desert, wait for the helicopter, and they're gonna sit there and nothing happens. That's yeah. what they really thought. But anyhow, I could not. I tried every possible way. Mm. I swear to God to convinced them but they were not and and some of them said we believe you maybe but I don't think you're gonna get it you know yeah, what I mean yeah. so I'm not wasting time and going anyhow so I flew we got to Fallujah and um um you know got the recommendation the guy went in it turns out he knows the general <laughs> uh the way you know he shook hands and other things so it took like five minutes to get it came back um then uh Did anybody go with you? Any of your friends? No. Wow. Guess what happened? The guy who I told, he just arrived days last week. This is the person, oh, you had mentioned Took him since 2008 until now.
0: (laughs) Did you tell him, like, why didn't you believe me? (laughs) I
1: always told him that. And he always slapped himself on the cheek, he said, when he remembers that. He should have done it.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: but anyhow, so that's how I got here. When I got here, I, I was...
0: Can I ask how many of your family you were allowed to bring over?
1: Oh, I wasn't allowed to bring anyone. Just you? Just me, yeah. Wow. So, So you're, you, you're allowed to bring your wife and kids at yeah. the age of 21, but I was only like 23 at the time. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't have no wife, no kids. So it, it was much easier to travel, but then, yeah, I came here, and uh,
0: and what was that? What was that day like? You get like you're leaving Iraq for what? The first time ever to come to America. Yeah. So
1: before I left, when I before I started my immigration package, where well, I knew it's just not. I'm I'm just gonna start the paperwork just to convince myself and tell myself at least I tried. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do. At least I tried. So what I did, I submitted the paperwork and never got, you know, approval until that major and like helped me out. But anyhow, um, meanwhile, um, you know, I got, um, so when I did it, before I even talked to the colonel and telling me about like three months before that, there was this guy named McKenzie. He was a sergeant, communication sergeant was going back home and he came to me and says boxer and I was like what he said I'm going back home and I bought a bunch of stuff I really hate to throw away and if you want to take a look at it cuz when you're in a military like you buy expensive stuff luggage iPads and not iPads there was like these DVDs back then yeah mckenzie was uh he does not know why this story by the way but I love him mckenzie was um, Told me to come and look at his stuff. Yeah. Before I he came told me that maybe days, I had a dream that I was walking in downtown city somewhere in America. And it was just getting dark. And as I looked, there was like shops, like stores or whatever. And there was mm-hmm. like a high-end store, I think it was a clothing store. Mm-hmm. And they have the the mannequins and has a clothes. and i was looking at the clothes, but i also saw myself in kind of mirror reflection of the glass and i saw myself carrying backpack that was a blue and has a puma logo on it puma uh-huh. or puma that the, the sport yeah. Uh, yeah. uh brand so the bag looked beautiful and, and it cut my eye the color and all that stuff so McKenzie was like, Well, here's the stuff I got. You know, there's this DVD. There's other. I was like, I have DVD player. You can give it to someone. Uh, but then I, he's like, Well, there's, you know, sets of socks. There's here and there. But also, I have this bag. And I was yeah. like, Well, let me see it. And, and it was like a Puma bag, exactly like the one I saw in the dream. I, la- I smiled and I was like, I take the bag because I really liked it in the dream. But I took it to my room. I kept staring at it. And I was like, this is exactly the one I saw. I swear to God, I don't believe in magic. I don't believe yeah, yeah. In, in all that stuff. But this is, I, I can't believe this is a coincidence because yeah. there is a more story to it. So I, I flipped it back. It was, I'm starting to remember this. It's like exactly the one. And then in the dream also that I walked, there was like a, a park, almost like, wood like lane of grass there was trees scattered in and there it also looked like a not a mountain but it looked like a berm kind of like really high about 50 yeah. feet high you had to go in there you have to walk and get tired it's all like grass and it is was, it wasn't like natural because it looked like somebody because it was straight mm-hmm. so in that uh what so I, I i in the dream that i i went and ran behind and I want to see what's the other side of that burn. So I went on top, there was a, a bike lane, but there was also a huge river that's filled with water. Unlike the Euphrates, it's, it's, all, it's shallow it's just shallow water over the years. This one has life, it has, you know, it's fast, it's it's full, yeah. it's you can't even see the other side. So that in my intention. So but I only when Mackenzie showed me the bag, I took the bag and um so I took the bag and put it in there. When I got my SIV uh, uh, approval from the general, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna travel on this bag. This is probably my lucky bag. So that was my lucky bag. I, that's how, that was my main bag. I mean, I have luggage bag, but this one, my backpack. And, um, but then when they told me, oh, well, congratulations, you're going to America. I was like, great. Uh, here's your paperwork, here's your, you know, all that stuff. And they're like, Dina, where are you going? I was like, no. Uh, they're like, do you know any relatives or friends? I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know military people, but they're liking military bases. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know, like, military person could count as a friend. i mean, like, friends, like, the way I knew friends is like somebody where you grew up with. Yeah. So yeah. I just told them there. And they're like, well, we'll pick a spot for you. I'm like, yeah, pick anything. Uh, but they're like, uh, um, they said... Uh, you're going to a sponsor volunteer named Catherine something.
2: Hmm.
1: I was like, yeah, I'll go to Catherine. Uh, I immediately, when they told me the name Catherine, I was like, well, she's probably like a Marilyn Monroe from the, from the, from the magazine. It's probably a, a, a blonde American chick yeah. who's going to show me around. You know what I mean? I <laughs> right? was like, wow, that's, that's probably better than my friends. <laughs> uh, you know, so that's how I thought. But then I went in there, and Calvin was seventy-five years old lady, wonderful yeah, lady. Right, uh, she took me in her home, went on for a while. Uh, but she showed me around. She got me driver's license in her car, so she was showing me how to use a credit. Card. I didn't have mm-hmm. that. Like, she well, wait,
0: what it. kind of car was she driving?
1: Uh, uh, no, it was better. It was better than Honda. So she was driving Honda, uh, Honda Accord. Okay. TL, you know, those yeah. retirees folks have a lot of money. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> <clears throat> I like young folks. Yeah, yeah. She's drove a nice car. Uh, her house was really nice. Uh, but she helped me apply for social. She take me to places. Apply for social security, driver license. Uh, she she taught me to go to the bank and apply for a debit card and how to use it. And uh, like I did not know any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but long story short, before I got to Catherine, I had to stay couple of days in a whole apartment um because uh by the time i traveled Catherine wasn't like on a vacation or whatever and mm-hmm. she was coming later so the guy who uh like they have a sponsor from like a, a settlement agency who got me at the airport in louisiana oh they told me you're going with Catherine in Baton Rouge, louisiana mm-hmm. so louisiana was like sounded i've never heard that state before so it sounded like soul luxury or you know what i mean yeah. I was like, that's Louisiana. That sounds good. So I went there. Uh, the guy says, you're going to sit in an apartment uh, temporary for maybe two or three days until Kathleen comes here. Uh, we didn't want to cut her vacation because she's obviously volunteering. So I was like, fine. And so got me at the airport. It was raining so bad. Like I couldn't see it in the windshield. And it's rain never seen. In, like in Iraq, hardly rains. And it's very little. Yeah, And when it rains, people just freak out like nothing like it. If that rain goes in a rock, like within 20 minutes, Pittsburgh Lane, a rock will be flooded. Like just done. Everybody will die. That's how bad it's like. And like, and and (laughs) so I was like, I couldn't see him like, how is he driving? You know what I mean? (laughs) But anyhow, he goes, you're going to get this apartment. I'm going to open the door. You're going to say one, two, three. And you just, as soon as I open the door of the van, You get out and take your luggage because you're going to get sweat. So I went, went in, gave me the keys, went in. In the morning, I woke up. There was all kinds of sounds of birds, animals, you know, like birds. like It's like sounds of birds singing, different types. Uh, There was squirrel, which is actually blew my mind. I've never seen squirrel in my life. Yeah, yeah. I thought this animal is only in the Amazon, you know. Yeah. That's how I thought in Amazon, <laughs> like a forest and everything. <clears throat> and I was just staring at it, loving it. But then the sounds came out. Like I woke up super early.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I just wanted to see what's around. I couldn't see anything. I, I was impressed how green it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I came from the desert. Like I was like, this is impossible. Like yeah. how many trees like this green everywhere? There's no dirt anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so i was like my eyes was getting tired from it and uh, from just the color of green but anyhow then i kept walking and i made a turn on the right and i got and there was a park and that park looked like the one in a dream wow. scattered uh, trees yeah. and i was like you got to be kidding me and i was like I looked up there and that's the berm that I saw. And I swear to God, it was exactly the same one. Incredible. I'm like, I'm going to go up there. And if I see a bike lane and there's river behind, there's definitely, this is not a coincidence. <laughs> this is like me coming here. I don't know. It's a God plant or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's definitely something and it's got to be good, you yeah. know. And that's probably because I was really, confused, scared that I'm going to fail when I go to America and all that stuff. So I swear to God, I went, I was just trying to get there. I ran, run, 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 literally maybe less than half mile just to get to that big berm or hill. Yeah. And I got up there and I got up there and guess what? It was a bike lane and there's a bench. I sat on the bench, kept staring at the river for probably an hour and a half. Yeah. This chanting like that, got some cigarettes, sat smoking, chain yeah. smoking, thinking about this. Like, this is crazy. Right. And there's this guy walking, running in the morning. But like now it's like about nine, maybe 8.30 at the time. And I asked him and I said, hey, what is this river called? And he goes like, that's the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was right by the, the then I realized that uh, my apartment is by the LSU Louisiana State uh, University campus. Right. So, so that's the story, like how I got there. Wow, uh, you know, but uh, very interesting. Uh, I still have the bag somewhere I was gonna in ask. my bed. Ba- yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have it somewhere. I always clean my garage, and I told my wife, "Don't ever throw this bag." No, but I probably have it somewhere in the basement. Um, but anyhow, is that the questions that you have? I mean, is that yeah. enough? Is yeah. that?
0: I mean, you. I mean, I was just thinking of how and how wonderful of a storyteller you are, Ihab, and that I was. Uh, uh, you know, we've we filled this this time here on the podcast so easily because uh, I've talked with you before on, on our programs with BBC, and I always know that you know you, you can definitely. Uh, flesh out a story whenever I ask a question I don't have to worry about it. I'm going to get a one word answer I was like you you know you're an easy <laughs> easy person to listen well to. that's
1: good because I apologize I do talk a lot take a lot of your time
0: <laughs> don't don't apologize uh, that's part of the, uh, what's, great, what's great
1: about a podcast is we get to if you want to do stories. another podcast fine uh, you know well there's so much
0: that's... more to the story there's story of like what you did with the Americans stories about the missions that you went on there's stories about how you made it from Louisiana up to Pittsburgh you know the yeah the, I mean yeah your, your story is very, I, I was enraptured by it. I love how you told it, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and tell our audience about your story. No,
1: man, I just want to be, uh, you know, I just want to reach out to people and, and you know, uh, and your audience, if they want to reach out to me, find me on LinkedIn. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: If you want to message me on uh, Facebook and whatnot, I'm more than happy to, you know, hang out with you and tell your story. If you want to meet me in person, I'm a very uh social person Mm -hmm. and if i don't talk uh, i die uh (laughs) matter of fact i i I toasted my my vocal cord twice because i talked too much and i had to do two surgeries oh man (laughs) okay that (laughs) is the
0: surgery we talked about is the yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i mean
1: i talk loud i don't do it anymore now but i used to talk loud. (laughs) not not here it's fine that's how i should be talking uh but uh when I go to bars and places, where well, public places, I'm I'm very loud. Um, well, you can only be telling... loud
0: at a bar. About bars are loud; therefore, loud people. So yeah, fine. but I
1: talk too much. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. Like I'm always telling stories and and funny jokes and all that stuff, and a lot of it is about my life. Uh, but then, <laughs> I do it too much. Then I abuse my vocal cord. That's the double-edged sword, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They, they, uh, they, yeah. So. I don't know what they. That's what they are. At least they told me. They're like, "Do you talk loud?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." They're like, "Where?" I was like, "I go to bars," uh, and or maybe hang out with my friends, or go to sport game and, and whatever it is. And um, they now I'm going through speech therapy, so they're teaching me how to speak like that
0: right Like now. no, yeah. They're like maybe time to whisper for a little while.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: um it 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 sounds strange we've talked a bit about it on the on the podcast on the scuttlebutt before saying thank you for your service but i feel like it's a little different saying thank you for your service um and yeah yeah
1: absolutely you're welcome um by all means um i think with uh i'm a fortunate and grateful to be part of this country i would not have the life that i am in i'm a very successful i consider myself I have a great career here i have two boys hmm. um I, i'm financially mentally and everything is stable you know what i mean uh, yeah you know what else do we want from life you know well
0: i know that um, pittsburgh but, is better with you here and i appreciate you being here in pittsburgh with us uh despite yeah. the snow i know the snow is not fun <laughs> but i All guess if, right. you have, if you have the option of sand or snow i guess i'd take snow
1: i take sand okay <laughs> we, we'll, we'll
0: agree to disagree on that one at least
1: <laughs> hey i mean your car gets dusty all the time but your car gets snow on it and it stops working salt eats it all the time yeah you know true. it's i mean it's a, what do you want i think i can tolerate the heat more than the cold i really right. do you know um
0: well, again, I appreciate your time coming on the Scuttlebutt and uh, to our audience, please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell uh, or send, you know, send me an email, sean at veteransbreakfastclub.org. Um, Ihab, it's been a pleasure uh, and I do hope that we can have you back on the Scuttlebutt uh, to tell more of your story. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't think one, one, um, one episode will be, if you want to hear the whole story, all right, just well, let me know. I can help.
0: Perfect. Thank you and have a wonderful day. It's great talking with you and I look forward to chatting with you soon. I want to thank Millerstown Pick Apart for their generous support and sponsorship of this program. For Millerstown's hours, direction, inventory, and pricing, go to pickapartyard.com. That's P-I-C-A-P-A-R-T-Y-A-R-D.com. Thank you so much, Millerstown, and uh, we'll see you on the next button.